0: Hey guys, it's Elon coming back to you. As promised, I want to talk a little bit about the playing tournament. And then um, currently, so far, the games that have taken place are the Bucks-Heat game and the Clippers-Mavericks game. So uh, just a little bit of, I guess, breakdown of those two games and what I expect to be in that series, as well as some um, breakdown of what happened in the playing tournament, tournament because there were some fun storylines and some great players in, uh, games that, you know, were seven and eight seed games or to get into the playoffs. Um, but there was still a lot of chaos, um, a lot of entertainment, and then there was still a lot of star power. So I'll just get into the first game. That was probably one of the least entertaining games of the in, although there were only, you know, so many games, but the Hornets Pacers game, um, was a blowout by the Pacers. They didn't have, um, they even have all their best players healthy, but I think that the way that they were coached, even though there has been a lot of um, skepticism and a lot of, I, I believe, chaos in the Pacers organization with their coaching um, or their head coach, but I think that the way that they play basketball is very team-oriented, and even if they don't have um, have their star players there, um, like, if they didn't have Brogdon or Sabonis or Miles Turner, um, it didn't necessarily matter because they have such a good system and everyone's so well coached that at the end of the day, you know, even if it's Karis Levert or if it's Malcolm Brogdon, who are the players that um, are creating the offense and, and the best player on the team, or Sabonis, or Miles Turner doesn't really create the offense, but regardless of who it is, everyone knows their rules. They know to cut. They. Um, they take their open threes and they play defense. And that's kind of just a way that the Pacers beat the Hornets, was just through good three-point shooting, good defense, and playing more as a collective team as apart from the Hornets, who it looked like um, none of their players really played great, but it just looked like there were a lot of individuals with talent, such as Lomelo, um, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, all these guys that have their ability to score on their own. But when they weren't functioning on a team and, and being able to get stops in the half court and then setting up their own half court offense, it just seemed like a team where they weren't able to have plays. It was just one-on-one one one on isolation. Uh, and without getting stops, having great athletes like Terry Rozier, like LaMelo Ball, like Miles Bridges, like all those guys, it's not really utilized as much because you're not on the open court. And um and guys like LaMelo Ball, great players, not the best at creating one-on-one in half court. Uh, I like Terry Rozier's ability to create an isolation. Uh, Devontae Graham's a decent isolation player, but it wasn't enough to overcome what the Pacers were able to do by getting stops, um, making the Hornets play in the half court, and getting transition for themselves. Um, so that's that's kind of the reasoning why the Pacers won, just playing as a team was was. Able to make them the better team, so they they blew out the Hornets, and then in the other East game, it was the Celtics versus the Wizards. Um, Tatum kind of showed the star that he he is. He scored fifty points um, in that win, and apart from him, there was some good players who who there were some players who were shooting the ball well. And I think what just it it came down to, even though Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are. Um, are relatively as good, if not better, in some people's minds than Tatum himself. But the difference is that the Wizards don't have pieces around those two guys that are able to, you know, it's not a great defensive team. You have guys like Bertans and, and Raul Neto, who, um, Neto's not the worst defender for his position, but nonetheless, he's ve- he's very small. But you have these guys surrounding those two, and what those guys are not able to do is, get stops for those guys and then on offense always give you the consistent things that you need um like just being able to guard their guy um get stops and then the other way just hit open shots consistently uh Bertans is a great shooter a little inconsistent but mostly it's just the inability to get stops and just do you know you don't need the other Wizards players to necessarily be great scorers you just need them to be like the Jay Crowders, Andre Iguodala, all these guys that just get stops, And then, you know, Marcus Smart for the Celtics, Um, they just get stops. They hold their own weight. They let the Stars do whatever they're going to do, and then they're just ready to hit the open shot. So the Wizards didn't really have that. So regardless of how good um, Beal or Russ played, they'd have to definitely outplay what Tatum and and Kemba did because, first of all, we know that Jalen Brown is injured, but – because the Celtics have the advantage of they're naturally just going to get more stops because they're surrounding players and they're naturally going to hit just a little a little bit better from three just because they're role players who are taking the open shots or better shooters. You would like that for the... I mean, you kind of almost need that the, the Wizards stars to definitely outscore Tatum and Kemba. And Tatum was just able to have a great game. A lot of it was at the free throw line, but those are points nonetheless. So... The star advantage went to the Celtics, and then automatically just the Celtics role players were better, better defenders, better shooters, and that gave them that advantage. So those two advantages didn't really leave room for the Wizards to excel at anything and give themselves a great chance. Um, it wasn't a bad game, but it just felt like the Celtics were had a lot of control and they ended up winning. So the Celtics automatically advanced, and then... Because of the Pacers winning the 9-10 game and the Wizards losing the 7-8 game, they matched up, um, and it was just clear from the start as I expected. I expected the Wizards to make the playoffs all year. I just think watching Russell Westbrook for the longest time, it it feels like he's not going to... It feels like him on a team in the East just alone without Bradley Beal would make the playoffs just based on the fact that he, you know, is just able to carry a team in the regular season. And then you add Bradley Beal, who's a 30-point-per-game scorer, and to me, I thought that they'd be a great regular season team. They were able to get into the eighth spot, so they only had to win one of two games potentially, but from the start, they had the star power, they had the um, intensity, and they were able to get stops on the pacer, get, stop the pacers. Um, The players were hitting their open shots, you know, the role players were hitting their open shots, cutting, and so when the role players were able to just be good role players instead of trying to be stars and try to create by getting, you know, they were just getting stopped, hitting the open shots, making the cuts, making the right passes. It just allowed Bradley Beale and Russell Westbrook to excel. And even though the Pacers have good stars in Brogdon and Sabonis, it's it's not enough to overcome Bradley Beale and Russell Westbrook when the players around them as well are just doing exactly what you need to what needs to be done around those players. So that summarizes the play in, the Celtics play the Nets, um, that actually should be ongoing as I record this podcast and then the wizards um play this, the 76ers. I expect those both to be five or six game series um with of course the Nets and the 76ers respectively respectively winning but um I think that it's nice for those teams to you know at least make the playoffs. Uh, a lot of the, both those teams are trying to be win now teams with the Wizards and the Celtics, so um you know even though a lottery pick is always helpful, it's it's nice to just keep the culture alive and, and just create a winning environment for next year when they can potentially make trades and and add to a team that already has seen the play in our playoff environment and uh, understands how to win a little better. So that's important for those two teams. And then heading into the West play in tournament, um, the uh, the first game I'll cover is the Grizzlies and Spurs. Uh, I expected the Grizzlies to win that matchup in the nine 10 and they did. Um, they previously actually the last regular season with game was um for the Grizzlies and the Warriors. They played each other and that game dictated who would be the eighth seed and who would be the ninth seed. And if you understand how the play in tournament works, that's a big deal because the eighth seed uh, can beat the seventh seed in advance and they can also lose to the seventh seed but beat the winner of the 9-10 game and advance um the 9th seed and the 10th seed they have to play each other and beat the 7 or 8 seed to advance. So it's really um it was a big deal because the Warriors only had to win um one of two games and the and the Grizzlies had to win two straight games. Um with that being said, I know most of you probably know the outcome of that, but uh I'll just get into the Grizzlies Spurs. The Grizzlies got off to a hot start, which I expected, just because um, I expected they're 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 probably the more talented team than the Spurs at this point, and um, they were probably pretty frustrated after, you know, that it was a it was a relatively close game with them and the Warriors, and it, it didn't shock me that they're frustrated and started off with a lot of energy, um, and then typically as you expect from Coach Pop, he made some adjustments to Spurs, got back in the game and. To me, it was just Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks, along with John Morant, who we know he's a star. But Dylan Brooks is able to guard the other team's best uh, player if it's a guard or a wing. And he was able to do that with DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray and cause a little, a little chaos for them, you know, lowering their efficiency a little. And then on the other end, he's able to create his own shot um, from all three phases on the floor. And then Jonas Valanciunas has just been a rebounding machine and a points machine. Um, so they were able to win that game late, even though the Spurs came back. And I don't think that really shocked anyone. And to be quite frank, I don't even know if, if, if it's the best situation for the Spurs to have made the playoffs. Um, it may have been better that they missed it, get a lottery pick. Um and gives give an opportunity for Pop to develop a player in the lottery and potentially get your next you know Kawhi, Tony Parker, Duncan you know that shouldn't be your expectation of any pick but, um it's nice to give Popovich a chance with that instead of just giving him a pick maybe, that doesn't have the ability in the lottery to move up and, uh, you know you're stuck with the fifteenth or sixteenth pick and, you're just trying to draft another guy that maybe fits a, fits the a system more than than has the potential to be a star player. So um, that's not the worst scenario for the Spurs at all. With that being said, the Grizzlies advanced. Um, and then the Lakers, um, well, they advanced to, to play the winner of the 7-8 game. Um, the 7-8 game was the Lakers-Warriors game. I thought the Warriors played really well. They shot well. They played defense um really well um in the first half they played pretty good on defense the second half um they actually completely outshot the lakers they shot better from the field total and they shot better from 3 and what that leaves open is the opportunity for only one thing to alter the game and that was free throws and the lakers got more free throws some people think that the refs gave some gave them a lot of extra calls um that that may or may not be the case, but the Lakers shot, even though they didn't make as many field goals as a, as the warriors, they had, they forced so many turnovers from the warriors, especially in the third quarter where they came back and they built some momentum in transition, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis took over as expected. Um, and that gave them more possessions and more opportunities to be fouled. And there probably were some calls that definitely went their way, but, um, yeah, you know, most people think the Lakers are the more talented team, and sometimes the team gets the better team just gets rewarded with more calls, as unfair as that is. Um, so a lot of people blame that game on the referees. That may be the case. Um, I don't think Anthony Davis actually played that well. I think five or six of his baskets were dunks that a majority of centers would have been able to. Um, Finish if if they were in the same position as him. He did hit a couple of mid ranges. He got an an and one that kind of swung the momentum, and he was still an important part of the uh, part of the game. But it feels like a lot of his shots were replaceable. And in the first half, um, he really struggled. So he did enough to get it done. Um, same thing goes with LeBron. I actually think he played pretty well. He had a clutch shot from probably thirty plus feet. Um uh, some people are calling calling it lucky. I don't think so. I think when you get to a certain level, obviously it's not a high percentage shot. Maybe you give him a, a, a maybe even less than a 10% chance of making that, but regardless, we've seen him shoot from long range and and it's not necessarily luck, but um you can't really blame the Warriors for for that loss if that's what it really came down to, a shot that maybe had less than a 10% chance of going in. Um with that being said, I think that he actually played pretty well. He was able to play make, um, there were, there were like three, three straight plays or, or three out of four plays where he threw perfect passes on backdoor passes. And, um, the Warriors played great defense on those, but they got, they were literally in the perfect position and it led to three layups. Um, he didn't play his best. He hit the shot when it mattered most. I still think that the Warriors probably outplayed them a little. Um, Maybe the ref swung it. Maybe it was just you know the star power of LeBron swinging it. Steph played incredible. Draymond's defense on Anthony Davis was impeccable. Like I'm saying, he didn't he made Anthony Davis barely look like like a, you know a competent player out there for the first half, and then the second half Anthony Davis kind of bounced back. But even so, um, he he barely got over twenty points, and a lot of his um, baskets were just dunks based on the nature of the game, and you know players creating opportunities for him he made a lot of his own shots I don't want to discredit what he did but um Stefan Draymond really did well Jordan Poole made some shots Juan toscano Anderson made some shots it was a really good game it felt like a 50-50 game and and you know if you want to believe that the ref swung the game um I think that that's fair um I'm not going to say it for myself I'm I'm going to be impartial on that uh, but yeah, that's just kind of what happened in that game. So the Warriors ended up playing the Grizzlies last night. Um, the Warriors got off to a bad first half. There there was an expectation by a lot of people, um, and I kind of expected actually the Grizzlies to win, which is surprising that I feel like I got a majority. I actually got all of my um, play and picks correct, even though I, besides the Hornets-Pacers game, which um, I thought Terry Rozier could probably take over. But so I got a, I got most of my picks correct. But I expected the Grizzlies to really come out of the gates just swinging. You know, I expect them to be frustrated from losing that game just a, like a, a week ago to the Warriors. That, that was so important. And... Um, it was really, it's really just the turnover story for the Warriors. They turned it over too much. They actually shot pretty well from the field, but at the end of the day, when you give um, Jaw, Jonas, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, all, all these guys more opportunities than you, it's really hard to just bounce back, even if you have Steph Curry, right? It's like, would you rather have Steph Curry um, on 80 possessions or the Grizzlies on, you know, you know, Grizzlies players on ninety five possessions. So, it's it's really it's it's really difficult to overcome that amount of turnovers, even if you have the star power. I think that was the story of the game. Um, people were frustrated by Draymond. He missed a layup. Even the Warriors were able to come back. Uh, he missed a layup for game. Um, I thought it was a good shot. I thought he could have maybe shot the jumper from the free throw line because um, they they backed off him. They let him shoot, but. You know, you can't be mad with the player taking the layup. You can be frustrated they didn't make it. Um and then in overtime the Grizzlies, uh Xavier Tillman, he hit a big three. Um well Xavier Tillman during the game, he hit a huge three to put the Warriors down, down three points, and the Warriors kinda of scrambled on their next possession. Trying to find a three to tie it up instead of you know just working for the best shot, which I don't think was the best uh, thing to do. Even if you do have the best three point shooter ever by far, um, and Seth Curry, but when you look at the replay, it shows that Xavier Tillman actually had his foot on the line. It was super close. I don't blame the refs at all. I'm not going to say that costed the Warriors the game either. Um, but with that being said, you know that could have been big, and it could have it could have. I guess, put the Warriors in a situation where they wouldn't have looked for um, a three and be struggling for a three to tie. They could have just looked for the best shot. So, you know, potentially is it another thing like the Lakers game where the refereeing could have altered the game? Sure. I thought the war- I thought the Warriors got the benefit of some calls um, with shooting fouls. I know that Ja Morant drove a couple times and didn't get the whistle. Um, so, refereeing, it was pretty, I call it even, you can complain about the Tillman shot. That's fine by me. So, yeah, did refereeing play a part? You can make that case. I'm fine if you do that. I'm just going to speak about purely basketball. And I thought Jaw took over. And really, just the Grizzlies surrounding players played better than Steph's supporting cast. And that's just really what it came down to. You just have to limit the turnovers. And because I think everyone believes that if you give Steph and the Warriors more opportunities to shoot the ball than the Grizzlies, I, I think most people would choose the Warriors. And. They they almost pulled it off even with the amount of turnovers. So um, that must that that's probably very frustrating for the Warriors. Um, it it is somewhat their fault just based on the fact that they always throw these throw ahead passes that really don't lead to any easy shots. Um, they do lead the league in assists, but it just feels at times that they throw it just to kind of start offense with a little tempo, and it's it leads to a lot of turnovers. So. Um, you know, it's going to be unfortunate for them. They're going to get, um, Clay back next year. He's going to be struggling with a little health, but he should help them a lot. They're going to have two picks in the lottery. Top three protected pick from the Timberwolves that has a over 70% chance to convey within the top 10, um, and fall out of the top three, I should say. So they have about a 70% chance to get it. Um, they're going to get their own pick, which will likely be the 14th pick. There's like a two or three percent chance it could move to the top three. So you know, if you add a top top eight pick and in the fourteenth pick, and Clay Thompson to this existing roster with more experience for the guys um, surrounding Steph that are kind of younger this year, it looks like a good future for the for the Warriors. It really does. So um, that's a positive takeaway for them. You would have liked to get playoff experience for the guys surrounding um, Steph and Draymond, but. It is what it is, and you know it doesn't hurt to have the fourteenth pick to add because it didn't feel like they really had a good shot at a championship this year. I'd say um, that's not really that bold of a take. Um, next year with Klay Thompson, I doubt I'd pick them, but that seems like a team that um, has more of a realistic chance to win, and so it's not the worst to add assets to that team. Um, apart from you know potentially losing um, the that value from an asset by having it be the 16th or 17th pick instead of having it be the pick in the lottery or the 14th pick. And then now you can add that to a team that should be um, more likely to be a contender as opposed to a team where it felt like didn't really have much of a shot this year. Um, so that's for the play-in. Um, the Grizzlies play the Jazz. I expect that to be a sweep by the Jazz or or maybe five games at most. Um, and then, and then, um, and then the Lakers play the Suns. That should be a really good game. I expect, I expect the Suns to be really good. Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I expect Devin Booker to be an absolute star average close to 30, if not over 30. Uh, Chris Paul is just a winning player. Um, they have a lot of good shooters around them with, uh, Cameron Johnson, Mikal Bridges, uh, Aiden's a good center, even though I don't like his ability to switch on pick and rolls. So that should be a six or seven game series. I'll likely take the Lakers. I'll put that... I'll say that I'll take the Lakers, um, but I, it would not shock me at all to see the Suns. I think it's really a, a close to a 50-50 series, if I'm being honest, even though some Lakers fans won't like to hear that because they do have LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it just feels like if you have even LeBron, it's going to be hard to lose a seven game series. So... um and then we saw earlier today we had the Bucks in the heat. I expect the Bucks to win that series in five or six. I think that adding Drew Holiday was a big addition. Um, I think they played well in the regular season. It didn't feel like they overachieved, which was something that's happened in the past where it feels like the Bucks have kind of ran away with it in the regular season, exhausted some of their energy, and then in the playoffs, you know, they just kind of fell back. Uh, it feels like they played about where they should in the regular season. And I think that they're more talented than the Heat. The Heat are a better coach. So they play great defense, but so do the Bucks. And I think that this is kind of Giannis's year, even though this game we saw he got a 10-second violation on a free throw to close out the game. He missed two layups. He missed two free throws and only got a dunk in overtime. Um, in case you're wondering, Chris Middleton hit a game-winning shot in overtime for the Bucks to win. Uh, the Heat shot horribly from the field and still had a great opportunity to win Jimmy Butler. I uh, scored a buzzer-beating layup at the end of regulation of force overtime. So the Heat are only going to improve. Um, Giannis should only improve. He shot horribly from the field today, and he's typically bad in the playoffs. Or I shouldn't say bad, but he's not his usual regular season self in the playoffs. But you'd expect him to at least shoot you know, around 50% or over just because most of his shots are in the paint. And then you'd still expect him to score around 30, even though in the past he's played horribly and he's he's definitely scored closer to 20 or below as opposed to 30 and above, which is just for a superstar player or a star player. It's just really rare to see because I don't think his game translates well, considering in the in the um, playoffs, it's more of a half court game where it stops and then sets. Uh, You know, you try to get stops, you try to stop someone and force him into the half court. And then on the offensive end, you're trying to run your set in a half court environment and having a player that strives so much in transition and just being able to blow past guys with a head of steam. That's not as likely to happen in the playoffs. And that's been a big reason for his struggle in the in the playoffs. Um, But I do expect him to have a good series. The Heat have a couple of tough guys that they can throw at him with Jimmy Butler at Bam, Trevor, he's, uh you know Andre Iguodala. I do expect the Bucks to win, but it really should be a good series, and it still wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Heat win. Even though I think after so many years where the Bucks have been let down, you just gotta there's got to be a year where they bounce back, and adding a star player like Drew Holiday and um, essentially replacing. Eric Bledsoe because all they gave a, a part from Eric Bledsoe and a couple of players that they don't really play that much is picks so um yeah they 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 didn't give any other players so it's really just they upgraded Bledsoe to Drew Holiday just for this year obviously those picks carry value but that's all that happened uh with this year's roster Eric Bledsoe a couple of players they don't really use and then they got Drew Holiday so that is a big improvement um and I do expect them to win. They should have the better, best player. You know, Giannis should be better than Jimmy Butler. They have the better star players with Chris Middleton um, and Drew Holiday, as opposed to Bam Adebayo. Um, and I guess if you want to call Tyler Hero a star, even though I really don't, I don't think he's there yet. Um, the depth is relatively similar. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Goran Dragic, these guys, and and plenty more. These guys are great, great role players. But the and I'd give them the advantage in that category. But um, you know, guys like Bobby Portis and and Forbes and all these guys, and there's so many, um, are 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 also good. So I'd give the Heat the role player advantage, but I give the um, the Bucks the star and superstar advantage, and we know that stars win. Games win championships, win the playoffs, and um, so I'll give that to the Bucks right now. Once again, it won't surprise me to see if the uh, to see the Heat potentially win, um, but that's where I stand with that series. The Bucks got Game One, which is big deal for them, and um, now we'll just talk a little bit about the Mavs Clippers game. It's been my prediction since year one of Luca's um, career that he will be the future goat. Um, I don't think that the Mavericks have done such a good, um, job of surrounding him with the talent that he should get. And I don't think that's necessarily the fault of the Mavericks, but maybe it's the fault of other players. Like maybe Giannis should have left and, and gone to the Mavericks. Maybe Kawhi after this year should leave and go there because if it's LeBron or if it not LeBron, if it's Luka, Kawhi and Giannis on one team, that's very scary team. And, um, I think that it's on other players to try to, to, try to start a team with Luka because um, that he's just going to be so good for so many years. And I think the only thing that could hold him back from, from being the GOAT is winning enough championships um, because of his surrounding talent. Um, Chris Kristaps is a star. He kind of struggles uh, a little with his shot selection, and at times he's a negative for this team, um, even though a majority of times he he really does help, and he's a star player, obviously. Um, but today what we saw was the Clippers' um, game plan hor- uh, being horrible. Um, when they trapped Luca um, just above half court, they got a lot of stops. Um, the Mavericks players weren't able to create for themselves. There's a lot of turnovers, bad spacing, and it feels like that worked um, when but the, the clippers went away from that. Uh, the Clippers kept Zoobots on the floor even when um, Zo um, the Mavs all, all they were doing was setting screens for Luca and, and whatnot just to get Zoobots to switch. and the clippers the clippers switched it every time. Um, and Zu got exposed by players like Luka because Luka versus Zu is just not – what Luka does is nothing really astounds you uh, about him. You know, he's not the best shooter. He's a good shooter. Um, he's not very quick. He's not the best ball handler. He's not a great you know, finisher with um, athleticism. What he does is he picks apart the defense by running screens, seeing what the defense does. And if they drop, he'll do a step back three. Um, if they come up on him, if the big comes up, um, he'll, he'll blow by them. Um, but, and you know, if he has a smaller player defending him, he'll likely, um, he'll likely just kind of post them up and get a nice, a nice look over the top. If he has a big on him, like what happened with zoo, because they switched, he's just going to expose them and either, you know, if they're sagging off because they're so scared of him blowing by, he'll take the three. And if they and if they come up to guard the three, then he's just going to blow by them. Uh, the Clippers didn't really help at all either. Um, so Luka kind of thrives on matchups. And I think that they need to put Kawhi on him and not switch the screens. Because if you think about it, Luca is not the best. He's not a great one-on-one player against a a good defender. He's not going to be able to blow by Kawhi. He's going to be able to get, he will be able to get his step-back three over him because step-back threes are unguardable, Um, but he's not going to necessarily be able to create anything going towards the basket. Most of it will have to be fading away or stepping back, Um, and he's so good that he'll still score off those, but if you keep Kawhi on him, you don't switch. He's not able to use his body to either you know, capitalize on a screen or capitalize on a player being slower or smaller. So if you put a great defender on him, it's going to be so difficult for him to score the way that he usually does. And I think that's a little way that the Clippers can solve that problem. Keep the trap if he's still burning you. Uh, if not, I think it should be Kawhi on him, make everything difficult, and he'll still probably score close to 30 But um, don't switch the screens. Keep it on him. Don't let him, because what Luca does, this is what he does. Well, he does to score his, apart from his step-back threes, where he can score on anyone. um, What he does to score is just pick apart the matchups, typically using a a screen, or if the player that's guarding him is just incapable of playing good defense on a big guard, then he can just beat them one-on-one. But it feels to me that Kawhi would be a good stopper of that to an extent, even though I still, you know, Luca's a superstar. I still expect him to get his points. Um, bring the trap so force the other players to make shots. The Mavericks won today because the Clippers... They went away from the trap. They switched everything even to give Luca the exact matchups he wanted, which was Beverly, who's a great defender, can cause some turnovers, but he's small and Luca can just use his body to get open floaters, jump shots, layups. Um, or they switched it to get Zubats on him, and that's all the Mavericks ran in the first half was pick and roll to get a switch. Um, and then it was just so easy for him to either step back because Zubats was giving him too much room because he was scared of, of giving up. Uh, a layup, or if Zu came up, he just exposed him by taking a layup. So, that's got to change. Maybe Zu doesn't play as many minutes, and if he does, I I think that you just don't switch those screens. You just don't have to do it. And if Luca comes off of a screen and now has to hit a more difficult mid range or an open mid range, or or a little contest by Zu there, that's not. That's a way better shot than what was given up. There wasn't help defense. Brunson exposed Paul George a couple times, um, a couple times just one-on-one because there wasn't help just sitting in the paint. And, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world for the Clippers to give up open shots to guys like Maxi Kleba. Um, these guys have been hitting shots like Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway. They made a lot of shots today. Um, and that's a big reason why the Mavericks won. Um, but I have to take the Clippers in this series. Play, um, Paul George he um, he's been known for his struggles. He he's he struggled a lot in the first half. Um, he um, bounced back in the second half. He didn't have really a great efficiency or point performance, but he was the offense in the second half. Um, it wasn't the worst performance, and if he can play like that, and the Mavericks guys like Dorian Finney Smith and Tim Hardaway aren't shooting like like um you know old caliber shooting players on open shots I think that the Clippers will be able to improve their defense they'll probably make some more shots themselves and then you know Ty Lue hasn't been known to be the best coach but I do think that he's able to make um an adjustment a couple adjustments in my opinion that are so obvious um that Luka and the Mavericks exposed um so I have the Clippers winning the next game. I think they'll come out with a good energy, and then I have them winning games five and in, uh, in five or six games, um, likely six. I'll give the Mavericks another game, but just so much went wrong for the Clippers today that was actually that was their fault. I don't want to act like you know it's it. They just got unlucky. It was their fault. The Mavericks played good but it was still a close game down to the end and um it says that it's a it was a 10-point game but it was really it felt like a 4 or 5-point game the whole time so such a close game so much for the clippers to improve on on both ends of the floor and it seems to me they'll be able to make those adjustments um the mavericks might decline a little in their play and um i just think the clippers are a more ta- more talented team um luka is will might climb up the uh Top players rankings, um, just if he has a if he continues to have a great performance, um, if he wins the series, uh, that's going to be a completely different conversation because, you know, for me it feels like, the Clippers uh, supporting Castor on Kawhi is so much better than the Mavs supporting Castor on Luca, and if the Mavs could pull that off, something tells me that you know you have to call Luca the better player, and um. And, and probably better than so many other players. So a lot to look for in this series. We have the Nets-Celtics playing right now. Um, I got people texting me that the Celtics are shooting incredible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that game. And then we have Nuggets-Blazers. Um, later tonight, we'll wa- I'll watch that. And then there's a lot of games um, tomorrow and the next week. So a lot to talk about. And I'll see you next time. Um, likely talk about what happened in the playoffs, what will happen. So thank you, guys.